G'day, it's Will. I'm going to be quick because you know what? I'm recording this in LA and it's now like two weeks from when I recorded this. So the world, let's be honest, look at the way the world was going when I recorded this. It could be fucking over by the time that you're hearing this. And if this is the last, if this, if this is the way you've decided to spend your last hours, you've made a good decision as far as I'm concerned. Uh, today's guest is one of just my favorite uh, people in the world and one of my favorite comedians going around. And uh, you got to listen to her podcast, The Dork Forest. The Dork Forest. Forest. I said forest. The Dork Forest. It's just the way dork. I said dork and then it, it just continued on into the next. The Dork Forest. Uh, the the Dork Forest. Wow. Uh, okay, anyway. So... Uh, <laughs> a good start Ando. yeah that that person who's the, it's the end of the world and decided to listen to this has gone mm, my confidence in this being a great uh decision maybe it'll be one of those things where you're like well i listened to this intro i'm now glad that the world is on fire thank you trump so uh jackie cation she's the best uh she has uh, two podcasts the dork forest and uh she also has a podcast called the jackie and laurie show uh which is new or new ish and is the best it's the best. It's uh, it's. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, just listen to it. It's. Uh, I, I recommend a bunch of podcasts on this podcast. Things that I like, and often I will recommend them with a reservation because I know my taste is not everybody's taste, and not everybody's looking at you know into things. Okay, you know, like if I if I say listen to something wonky and listen to something wonky, they're great, you know. But yeah, you know, I might say. But, you know, they're going to be on Skype or on a phone sometimes. And, you know, if you think that Andrew Bolt or Miranda Devine have a lot of sensible things to say, then it's probably not the show for you, right? There are very few things that I just recommend uh, without any caveat at all. You know, no buyer beware. The Jackie and Laurie show, just fucking listen to it. It's brilliant. It's great. It's just great about comedy, about life, about friends, about honesty, about fucking just, it's just great. So anyway, there you go. Listen to that. The Jackie and Laurie show. Uh, all right. Uh, and listen to this. Uh, the Will and uh, Jackie show. Jackie Cation. Absolutely brilliant. Loved having her on the podcast. All the usuals. Check out the Patreon. Uh, support the podcast if you can. Some cool new levels with James Fosdyke. Uh, we're coming to the LA Podcast Festival. So buy a live stream. Use TOFOP as your code. Save five bucks. We get seven bucks. That's a good deal. And they keep inviting us back. So that, you know. Could you do that? That'd be cool. Uh, if you like the podcast, rate it on iTunes, pass it on. If it's your first time here, check out some other ones. There's some really cool ones, just some recent ones. Daniel Sloss, Laura House, uh, and some fun ones coming up. Gareth Reynolds and uh, yeah, it's it's So anyway, here every week, every Friday, uh, Fofop. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. The following episode of Fofop is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. Fofop advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topop. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> <laughs>
Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and uh, joining me, returning guest Charlie Corson, although she has not been on the podcast for a while. It's good to have her back though. Very excited about it. Uh, Jackie Cation is here. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Will. Thanks for having me in your home. But I'm not even the I'm not even the first podcast you've done today. And this is like this is like one o'clock on a Monday afternoon. I know it. I know it. I am. Uh, and you've already podcasted. I've already podcasted for one hour with John Fugelsang and Rick Overton and Felicia Michaels. He has a lot. It's a pod, It's not really a podcast. It's an actual radio show on XM right. Sirius. Well, that's just a podcast it's on the radio a, as far exa- as I'm concerned. You are correct. These days, right? Exactly. Except for that uh, banana heads can call in and just get all mad because you have a different political opinion than them. Yeah. That's what a so. radio show is now. It's a live podcast. <laughs> that idiots yeah. can ring. Right. Po- yeah. These podcasts are still better mm-hmm. give us a call now if you think they are yeah why don't you figure out figure out how to call yeah so my phone's on over there best of luck exactly if you can like, identify time travel <laughs> and and both our phone and if you numbers. can identify time travel i've got a task for you right anyway what so is it? Is it, it, does it involve baby hitler or no, it, no it involves donald trump if okay, you're if you sure. got some i mean i guess you know don't, what, you don't have to do whatever you need to do do whatever you need to do with your time travel machine but if i were to vote right uh, i might ask for i don't know Bring back like an elephant. How do you feel about uh, like? Because here's the thing: I, I'm wondering about America now. Yeah, is uh, with the what tr- the fuck is going on? Do you wonder <laughs> yeah. that ever? No, I wonder that a lot. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Some, some, the, some of us are soaking in it, and we're wondering what the fuck. Somebody said to me backstage at a gig the other night that I like, do you live here now or do you live in Australia? And I was like, I still have one finger, like one foot in each of those sort of like I don't. I just want to see how America's going. You got a plan. You got you got an exit strategy, which I, mean, I think I, is better than America had in Iraq. I so just, good for you. I think. You know, I've got some due diligence. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just feel like I'm collecting some cans, <laughs> some guns and some stuff for the winter. Sure. I know just... how I'm going to go off the grid. Like, I mean, but you can't do that. No, no, no. I am. Uh, I am on board. I'm and I'm not one of those people who are like, if Trump is elected, I'm leaving. I'm one of those people that if Trump is elected, I'm going to start a French sleeper cell uh, of the French resistance. So because we're clearly going to need the French resistance. Well, I mean, do we're, they have to be French or would they just be like a like a, a fusion? Would take? That, the French resistance is my favorite part of World War Two. Right. But it's, could they be an American French like fusion resistance? Right. We don't have to go up to Quebec and bring people down. It'll be right. fine. Okay, or yeah. come up from Louisiana. But um, the, yeah, I, uh, you know, one of the first times my father was ever proud of me was uh-huh. when I was eight or nine years old. Um, I'm the youngest of six. So I come home from school. I'm a latchkey kid, right? There's nobody there. Uh-huh. Everybody's out getting high or doing whatever they do. And uh, I get home and for some reason my dad is there and he's never there. And I'm the youngest, so he doesn't really talk to me when uh-huh. I'm a child. But he decides to talk to me. Okay. I'm not saying he didn't have his keys in his hand, Will. I'm just saying he decided <laughs> to talk to me. <laughs> and he just stares. I remember this distinctly. He stares at me and goes, so uh, what are you studying in school? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm eight or nine. And, and I said, oh, we're studying the end of the Mesopotamian and... Phoenician empires. Uh, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, empires die. Empires end. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, what that teach you? And this is pro, what, 1973, 1974? And he goes, what that teach you? And I yeah. said, that empires end. And he goes, what's that teach you about America? And he looks at me and I go, that America's going to end? And he goes, 
Yeah. Yeah. Sleep tight. He's like, it was my first time he was ever proud of me. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. The fact that I got the fact that we are an empire in decline, 1974. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's quite apparent from the outside that, you know, it, it is that thing of going, well, all empires fall. It's yeah. the history of human civilization. Yes. Is that every empire has fallen. And the thing that we know is that America was, there, were, there was a time there that America was. There was a bright shining. Was, it was great. You know, like you know, post-World War Two. you know, it was the American era, America. But yeah, and then the, like when, you know, they essentially won the Cold War, you know, I mean, yes. I know you can debate the intricacies of what that means. Right. But like, in, like, you know, they were the title holders. They were the number one, you know. And for decades. And it doesn't, you know, and an empire doesn't die immediately. You know, you look at the no. British Empire, you look at the, you know, the different Chinese empires you look at the Japanese era in in the in in the east and it's it's gradual and the people that are soaking in the water of it don't notice until it is sort of ripped from their hands the power right. and the and the glory and the respect and you're like oh but I I gave away the the respect I I I shit on the glory you know I mean you're it's not it's not anybody's specific fault because it is the nature of empire is that that's how it goes but it is disappointing i didn't want to be here for the end of empire i wanted right. to be here when we were with the sh- you know i don't know if you you listened to any hamilton <laughs> you got any hamilton on the on the rotation mm. it's a it's a musical out of new york uh, about the founding no. fathers ah, the, oh alexander okay. hamilton the so, guy on the ten dollar bill so here's the thing you can tell me about this which okay. is good I'm, I'm 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 interested to learn because you know something is on just the periphery of like your world for right. so long that you understand that it's a thing. It is a you, thing. I'm, here's some things I know about it. Okay. It's a musical of some yes. kind. It is based on some kind of historical figure. In American who, who, history. Who I did not know. Right. Um, you are uh, not alone. The the lead person yep. I've seen on things. Yep. <laughs> and he seems extremely talented. He is very talented and seems like a very good guy, which means that he will probably be mocked openly by the mean at any minute now. I'm not sure I've seen enough to make that opinion, but I I've have. seen enough to go that he is like definitely like you can see he, the he talent. Seems very talented. There you go. Um, I know that it's very expensive to get a ticket. At this time, it is yeah, very expensive. Very hard Prohibitively to get a ticket. expensive. But recently, uh, they uh, there was a deal or something that before the original cast stopped doing it, they're going to uh, film the original cast doing it. It will be broadcast at some stage or being yes. available at some stage. Yes. Uh, this is what I know. Okay. Now. Oh, Going I know, with and, those I, and I know that they did the in-car karaoke thing on James Corden's Right, right. So you've show. seen one of the songs being sung by James Corden. There you go. And uh, other Broadway people before the 20s. The now, 20s. Yes. Here's what I do not know about okay. Hamilton. Anything what the else? Fuck? What like, else? What is it? Like, why is it so good? Like, what? what who was he? Right. Okay. Like, so I don't know any of this. What I knew going in, and I, I have a degree in political science, uh, but it was Southeast Asian studies. Uh-huh, sure. I, because I just needed to graduate and do stand-up comedy. But uh, the, um, <laughs> but Alexander Hamilton, uh, it was is the guy on the ten-dollar bill, uh-huh. and he. Here's what I knew about him coming out of it: is that he was. Uh, the founder of the national banking system, the the Treasury Department, and he was the first Treasury Director. I knew that he was a banking guy, a finance guy. He's ha- his name is Alexander Hamilton, and he was killed in a duel, famously killed in a duel oh. in 1804 uh-huh. by Aaron Burr, who killed him, and 
uh, Aaron Burr was the sitting vice president of the United States. So they had a duel in, in right. Weehawken, and I knew that it was in Weehawken because I lived in Weehawken for two months, and there's a statue of Alexander Hamilton there. So that is all I knew going in. But he's the guy who lost. Alexander Hamilton was the guy who lost. Aaron Burr was the guy who was vilified Where's because he killed Aaron him. Burr there isn't one musical. Uh, Aaron Burr got screwed. Gore Vidal wrote, "I, I am down a, a Revolutionary War rabbit hole right okay, now because this all that. happened in the Revolutionary War and uh-huh. after the Revolutionary War because there's." Uh, the thing about about that is revealed in the musical, and the musical is done in verse. It's hip hop, uh-huh. but it's also a Broadway musical. So there are. It's really, really great. I love it to death. Just because I'm a history nerd and I'm a, a political science dork, and I've got all these things right. But I like hip hop, uh, and I. But I'm. I'm stop and go with hip hop. If you are a deep seated hip hop fan, you will be like, this isn't cool. And, uh, but if you are a Broadway fan who likes hip hop, you are in the seventh heaven of the world because it's rhyming couplets and it's lovely. And, um, but Aaron, uh, Alexander Hamilton was 19 in 1776. He, when he was 10, his, uh, and this, I get this from the lyrics and I've looked it up, but it's, sure. you've put a nickel in me. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no. I'm, okay. I'm, I want to know. Oh, okay. By the way, spoilers. Yes. Oh, spoiler alert. Any ha- Hamilton spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Hamilton dies at the end, you guys. I'm yeah. so sorry. So sorry. Uh, yes. He's dead now. He's dead now. And Everyone in it's dead 240 spoilers. years later. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoilers. None of them actually ever heard rap. <laughs> right. Well, that's. Yeah. And, uh, and some this of This is historically inaccurate. <laughs> Oh, and that's, and it's a musical. So when you go down the rabbit hole of Revolutionary War and you get other information about the other characters, right? Him and Marquis, the Marquis de Lafayette, who was one of the main reasons why the French supported the 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 Americans, the in the colonies in the war, uh-huh. it was because Marquis, the Marquis de Lafayette, Marquis de Lafayette in 1776 was like 17. Aaron Burr was 20. Right. So these guys were 17, 19, and 20. They. Thomas Jefferson was only like 32 or 33 years old. And George Washington was an old guy at like 42 or 43. So Alexander Hamilton was raised in the West Indies. He um, was born in the West Indies. His mom was unmarried and uh, might have been a prostitute. Okay. And uh, so when he was 10, his dad left um, to flee debtor's prison or something like that. And um, so then it was just him and his mom. They both got... um, I forget what it was, like cholera or something, or they got some horrible disease that happens in 1760 or whatever. And uh, when he was 12, and I, she died. I, I like to think when you're making like uh, something like this, you want it to be historically accurate, but at the same time, like you might be like, so they have cholera, and everyone's like, is anyone going to rhyme with cholera? <laughs> uh, right. It's like oranges and yeah. silver. You know what? She she had diabetes. <laughs> Exactly, and then she went to the Atreides. So uh, the uh, um, so anyway, his mom dies when he's twelve. Uh. He goes to live with his cousin, her cousin, when he and he kills himself when he's fourteen. When when Alexander Hamilton's fourteen, the cousin, the cousin does. Okay. So right. Alexander Hamilton gets a job at this bean counter place where he's he's doing trading and stuff, and then all of a sudden, a hurricane comes through the West Indies and destroys the town, uh. and he writes a blog. He writes a treatise that goes viral, and the the town takes up a collection to send him to New York to go to college. 
And that's how he gets out of the West Indies when he's 17, 18 years old. Right. And so he gets a scholarship to King's College, which is now Columbia University. And, um, and that's, where the, that's where the play starts. Him arriving in New York. Okay. And so then he meets all of the people that are involved in this in the Revolutionary War. And it's how he, there's, the guy is an amazing workaholic, but he's also very handsome and kind of a, a, a bit of a horn dog and, um, and, and, and just a social climber and just super flashy dresser. And so he is, it is a fascinating story. And, 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 you get revealed all of the different founding fathers. He was the youngest founding father, right? Uh-huh. So he was 34 after the war when George Washington became president. He made him treasury secretary. He's the youngest that's ever been. He was the first secretary of treasury, uh, uh, treasury of the secretary, and the youngest that's ever been. And he wrote, he essentially created the federal financial um, part of the government. He, uh, J- Thomas Jefferson and all the southern states wanted states' rights, which of course blows up in their face with the American Civil War 60 years later, 70 uh-huh. years later. But um, Hamilton writes this thing that er- the states have to pay into a federal, they have to pay some sort of taxes so that interstate commerce can happen and, and we can get a navy and we can eventually purchase drones. Those drones aren't going to buy themselves. Well. Right. And uh, so... Is that the moral of the story? The moral of the story is, is those... Well, and I remember it's studying... It's the final scene of just drones everywhere <laughs> and going, well, without Hamilton, I would none like, of this would have happened. If I could apologize for the United States to the people of Pakistan. Anyway, the... Uh, the, uh, just, I, w- I wouldn't apologize. If you start apologizing on behalf of America, oh, there you go. we're yeah. going to be here. You Where know will I mean? it end? Seriously. Where will it end? It's true. <laughs> but it's, he's, I remember studying him in school and thinking that, because, you know, you're, you're raised in the United States to canonize Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson's the greatest guy in the world. Uh-huh. And then you more you learn about Thomas Jefferson, you're like, no, he was, he was like a comic who was funny enough that he could be a dick. You know, it's right. the comic that you hang out with like, well, that's what he's like, but he's super funny. Wait right. till he gets up. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hang out with someone who's a disaster of a human being, right? Cannot stay sober, right. will not stop cheating on his wife. But you're like, oh, you should see his you set. Know what? He just, he, there's just something about him when he gets <laughs> up there. He's just meant to be there, you know? He's just really good at the one thing, and that was Thomas yeah. Jefferson. Right. Thomas Jefferson <laughs> was a disaster of a of a just a kind of a person. Like he he told his uh, his his uh, mistress, who was his slave, Sally oh, yeah. Ride, uh-huh. that he would free all of her uh, all of their kids. Okay. Uh, and then didn't. But he said he would free them when they were 21. Right. And then didn't. Yeah, but and that was if they did their chores. <laughs> right, right, right. They had to do their slave chores. Exactly. And sadly. I mean, they yes. just. He watched a few episodes <laughs> of The Super Nanny and he just <laughs> put them in He's the. He's like, no- this is how parenting is done. I mean, you know what? They'll thank me for it later on. <laughs> They'll in life. thank me for it 170 years later. Yeah, exactly. When there's genetic testing and they right. can all say, well, my great great grandfather owned me. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? That like, sometimes I think with like change, you know, um, because it's now I think so rapidly in front of our faces, like yeah. change in regard to social change, and yeah, like I think that our impatience now, and I think in a lot of ways it's very good, but I like, you know, I live in a country that still doesn't have marriage equality, and right. yet 
you know, we seem to have almost like skipped over that in most kind of like, you know, first world country. And we're like much more aware of like, you know, trans rights or right. of like, you know, more broadly, you know, other things that are like. We're, right. we're, Universal health care and, and, yeah. and education opportunities and these other things that are. And there's, you know. I have I have traveled in rural Australia. There are jackasses and oh, racism. My God, and, yes, like crazy, like crazy. Of course, yeah, like everywhere and um, like well, anywhere that you put heaps away from, like you know, most people. Right, right. If if it, you're all staring at each other and you all look alike, and then somebody else comes in and they, you know, they have curly hair, and you're like, well, what the hell has just happened? Uh, nothing, uh, nothing. But happened. also, people just make things up about things they're fascinated by, but they don't know things about. Oh, so, right. Like yeah. you know. Like, I, I remember I went to a co-educational school, but, like, there was a, a girl's school and a guy's school in my town. Mm-hmm. And the things that, like, either of them would say about the opposite sex and what they imagined, like, just you know. Fictional? Just fictional. Like, fan, <laughs> like fan fiction. Like, you know, you know a few things and then just imagining these other things that you're just right. like. Well, I guess that's right. what happens when you have no one to actually give you any information. Right, when you're not given any, nothing. Uh, what I would have loved is if my stepmother would have told me that uh, a tampon applicator was mm-hmm. an applicator. Because I tried to oh. jam the entire thing at my body. Well, here's the yes. thing, too. Yes. Like, is the applicator just an American thing? Because... Like, I, look, I've not traveled enough around the world to know And about bought enough this. tampons internationally. And look, but, uh, but, look, you know what? Yeah. I... I am unapologetically a tampon buyer. I, oh, okay. I know what tampon you know my that, partner uses and, and needs I, and, and needs and and so she texts you and says I right. need tampons. You just get them. Or you know, in an emergency situation in a foreign country, mm-hmm. I know close enough. You know what the thing she's looking for that I can you sure. Know, find. Thank God you're there. You know it's, what? And there's no reason not to. Exactly. And of course, there's no reason not to. Like right. I mean, it's like it's Anybody. even it's even ridiculous that we have to point out that. There's that, no reason not to. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, <laughs> completely. Like, absolutely. So, but the applicator, Is like, it, I don't know if it's like a thing that's like in, in many countries, and, and very much correct me if I'm wrong, but the first time I saw it, I was like, is that... Is what that it, really a campon? What the hell is that? What is that? Like, is I was it just like, syringe? What the hell is happening I, up I there? Didn't, I didn't realize that like there was even like a, a desire or a need or whatever for an applicator. Right. It doesn't make any sense. I've never. Um, I think I used applicate uh, tampons with applicators initially, and then there weren't tampons without applicators until I was probably twenty six or twenty seven. So Do- they only had applicators. Does it make it easier or less easy? Not anymore. Because right. uh and the thing is is in hotels when you ask um down to the ho- down to the thing, you're like, hey, do you guys sell tampons? And they're like, we have them. The last hotel, hilariously, we have them for free, but you only we're we can only give you one. Okay. And I was like, really? Uh-huh. And I was like, one the? free. And then then you then, then the there's next a one's nine dollars. Right? Is there a CVS or is there a Walgreens? Is there a pharmacy close? And uh, she's like, yeah. And then she palmed it. She backhanded it oh, to yeah. me like a secret. Like, and I'm, I'm like, it isn't. What it isn't drugs. It's just uh, it's a bodily function that uh, right. oh half the planet's going through. So um, yeah. So I I had never seen uh, non applicators until like the I think it was. It had to be the early '90s. Do you think the applicator again? I'm. Oh. This is, what a great like conversation <laughs> because I'm wildly what the heck? wildly speculating about something I've done not not much research and have like only a few observations. Right, about. tampon cam does not exist, and please oh, uh, don't. You know what? There you go. It probably does. <laughs> it probably 
probably does. It probably does. <laughs> I take it back. Like, You're right. Any, You're correct. Anything to do with sex and the internet, <laughs> yes. I, I believe that we are not the first people to think about it. Sex, at least sexual organs, because there's nothing less sexual than your menstrual cycle. It's uh, sort of the end of the sexual uh, part of the month. Right, but maybe that's the sexy thing about it is that oh, right. like it is the time also that you can't get pregnant. Right, right. Let's right? get in there. So let's let's, let's yeah. get some work done. Like sometimes maybe sure. you're a person who enjoys like – online pornography but you always worry about the fact that they're not using protection mm-hmm. but then you're like well no well this is like this is a safe this time is, this is the this time is, this is the time look wow. at these guys strike while the iron responsibly is responsibly using nature's cycle of, <laughs> <laughs> you know how come the catholics never came up with that right as the rhythm and blues um, uh so um the applicator <clears throat> the applicator i speculate and i yes. may be wildly wrong but do, do you think it might have something to do with America's, like, more religious, like, you know, sort of like... That sort of puritanical... Puritanical Don't sort touch of, your parts kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where it, it had to have come from that. Because I, it's just so disproportionately available here than anywhere else. That you've ever seen it? Like, yeah. And I think if it was, like, good, like, as in if it made it better, if yeah. it was, like, you know, an electric toothbrush or, like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, this one vibrates at three minutes or whatever, mm-hmm, you'd mm-hmm. be like, well, we'll use that. Yeah, but that is not the case. Anyway. And a non-applicator tampon uh, is easier to insert. Uh, there's less packaging. Right. There's so much less the environment. Waste. Yeah, I mean the whole. It's just. But I. St- I. St- I have friends. I know. There's not a lot of tampon talk right. uh, among the ladies. But uh, when it comes up, when you find out that someone does use one with an applicator, you're always like, "Huh? What's uh, What's right. that about? Yeah. What do you care? It's your body. You're I not." Mean, I mean, do what you want to do. Do what you do, whatever you need to do. I mean, I feel like the. To be honest, the message is: do what you want to do. It's yes, your body. It's your body. Your body. Your, your laws. Choice. Yes, yeah, exactly. your choice. Right. And, uh, yes. Except in Texas, I think now. Uh, but Texas so, just got <laughs> shot down. Texas and my home state of Wisconsin both have their heads up their asses, and uh, so um, tell yeah. Me, okay, so tell me about we we stumbled onto the political uh, system before. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, before Hamilton. Which uh, is, before Hamilton. Yes. Well, I. <laughs> I was going to tell you about because I did last week. I did the weirdest run. You know, I don't do one nighter runs much uh-huh. anymore. I do weekends. I just I go out on a, th- a if it's a full week, a Tuesday through Saturday. I'll go out on Tuesday. I'll come back on Sunday, and I'll stay at the same hotel. And is that about like uh, I mean, a financial just like the you know like the money's one, better. Yeah, it's more peaceful to be in one hotel room for five days. Yeah. You know, you do one nighters when you first start sure. because you got to you got to you, you need the work and you need the the money. And um, at this point, I, I'm very lucky. I don't have to do those. But last week, I got a bunch of weird co- things that got cobbled together. So it almost felt like that, except for the money was crazy great. Thank you, baby Jesus. Uh, but it was, I went to New York. Baby, baby Jesus is booking gigs now? I don't know. Oh, you asking? Okay, I'll right. send you his Could email. You yeah, I'll just, I'll hook you up. It's, uh, it's a great run. It's right. amazing. It's oh, uh, well. manna from heaven. It's good. Every <laughs> baby Jesus is back and baby. booking comedy. And booking comedy. But uh, you got to be clean. That's right. the only thing. And, yeah, uh, no, so, fair enough. Sure, that'll be fine. <laughs> Keep it tight. Don't run the light. How, does, how does BJ feel about religious stuff? Like, <laughs> Oh, he loves it. He, he loves it. Yeah, he wants okay. you to talk about him. Sure. He's like, are you talking about me yet? Right. Please talk about me. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> So I went to New York for two days, uh-huh. and then I went to Indianapolis for four days, and then I went to Kansas City for one day, and um, Kansas City, Missouri, and then Lawrence, Kansas for a day. Okay. And somewhere between New York and Indianapolis, I lost my brush. 
my hairbrush. Okay. And now, um, is this a brush that you travel with normally in your handbag or like something like that? It was in my luggage. I must have left it in the hotel room. Okay. But I only have the one. Uh How long have you had it for? Well, it isn't the brush itself that it was fascinating. I just, I never replaced it on the run. I lost it day two. Right. And I didn't replace it. So every day on Snapchat, I'd be like, I'm just brushing my hair with the... The back of my with my hand. How's it going, guys? And it was fine, and it looked all right. I have a good haircut. It it settles. Sure. And uh, the um, but then I get to Indianapolis, and there's a hotel. And you uh, know at the hotel, not only tampons, free combs sometimes. Okay, sure. And I keep forgetting to ask for the comb. Yeah. So then I finally I get to Kansas City. I ask for the comb. I Snapchat the comb, and then I make it to Lawrence, Kansas. I've lost the comb. Somewhere between Kansas City. <laughs> so okay. it's a journey of me. So yesterday, somebody mailed me FedEx. Some fan of the Dork Forest uh, FedExed me four brushes. Right. Hilariously, because the internet is adorable. No, I mean, I like that, though. I mean, I It was like, the greatest story. I, for but me. Al- but I also, I mean, I, I think that you owe yourself a brush. I deserve a new brush, you don't know? you think? Yeah. I mean, I think that even like in those moments when you'd lost your brush... Like immediately, you maybe that you should have just gone, whatever. I passed I'll a drugstore th- twice. Right. Walking to and from the gig in Indianapolis. And here's the thing about brushes. You don't, what have, about you don't have to spend a million dollars on a good brush. No. Like, you know, you can get a like a really nice service brush for six like six bucks, yeah, exactly, ten bucks. Right? That's how much it was. Yeah. The one that I had, perfectly nice brush, did I mean, its job, separated my hairs. I mean, I'm, I, I, I will go a step further. Like, I think it should be like a toothbrush <laughs> or something you brush. I would be turning it over more regularly. Oh, okay. Oh, like, there I mean, you go. I would really be saying, like, you know what? I'm going to get six good months out of brushing here. And then, and then you new know what? brush. I'm going to get a new brush. Interesting theory. I, mean, I, I what, keep a brush not, till I lose it. Can you not spend $6 on yourself? Like, I deserve you know, six. I every deserve. six months. Yes. I deserve it's a, a dollar a month <laughs> if you put it away for a new brush. I'm a saver. How, I could. How often do you change your pillows? Oh, you know what? Uh, I just got a new pillow. It had been about four or five years. Yeah. You yeah. should change them every year. Every year. Every year? Yeah. Why? Who said that? Did you read a powerful article? Ah, oh, so many of so them. So many articles so told many you articles. every year you should get a new pillow? Yeah. Because of mites? What? Yeah. I, don't, I don't have, I don't have no, bugs or That's anything. Exactly. They, no, it's they, like, they, th- they uh, think there's animals or something it's happening? like the walking dead in there. <laughs> you ever seen one of those Gordon Ramsay-like uh, hotel hells or kitchen nightmares <laughs> no. where he gets out the black light and yeah. they see where all the yes, se- semen is? Yes. Yeah, that's what your pillow looks like. That is why I will not stay in condos. But, uh, so the Cindy... The Sydney Comedy Store should book me, uh, and uh, and then I then I will stay at their hotel. I will not stay. They don't they don't have a condo, do they? I mean, I, I live in Sydney, so oh, so you I never even deal. Even I wouldn't even know. It's not even an issue. No, I don't know, but I, I know I believe they put people up in a hotel. I think it's a hotel, from what I've heard. It was somebody told me. It might have been uh, Rob Delaney. There is something about the comedy condo. See, people who listen to this podcast, we don't always talk about comedy on this podcast, so right. like. So, you know, there may be people who don't even understand what it is that we're talking about, but uh, there is this specific thing where uh, on the road, you know, particularly here in America, but also in the United Kingdom and to a very smaller extent in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, comedy clubs that have regular acts that they're bringing in. Each week. Each week, you know, maybe doing five to seven shows or like right. maybe even five to seven nights, like, you know, depending on, you know, where the clubs are and stuff, like... You know, kind of long runs. You yeah. Know. 
So uh, instead to of, save money on hotels, yeah, they end up having like a you know an, an apartment. apartment of yeah. their own that just operates as a hotel. But yes, it means that it's like it's like a hotel. Like, see, intellectually, mm-hmm. like in a hotel, in a regular hotel, people have been doing the exact same things. Like in those hotel rooms <laughs> that they are, that they're doing in the condos, in the, but, and the word condo, of course, is so ambitious. Right. Uh, but but what they they have in hotels that they do not have in comedy apartments, which I now decided right now to call them comedy apartments. Uh, yeah, uh, is they never replace the the carpeting uh-huh. no, in the in the twenty never. years, never, not ever. I mean, and if it, you ever want the D, DNA for a super comedian. <laughs> <laughs> scrape it out of the carpet oh, at some of these clubs. So foul. It's so foul. And the people that they have cleaning the apartment is usually a waitress that uh-huh. they pay an extra yeah, 30 absolutely. bucks to. And yeah. so she just hoses it down like it's an episode of The Planet of the yeah. Apes. And then uh, she fucks off. And then you don't ever... You, you're sitting on a couch that some dude just jerked off to. And I I am so dirty, by the way. I have been swearing and talking about just just so much sex stuff in the last uh, couple of days that I don't know. I don't usually swear quite this much. I don't mind it. I, I stayed in a condo recently, a comedy. I am lucky enough that in most places mm-hmm. that, you know, I... Even if they have a condo, mm-hmm. that I get to stay. They, 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 put, they find a hotel. They put you in a hotel. But there are a couple of places where <coughs> ge- genuinely the most convenient place to stay is the comedy condo. Okay. And uh, one of them I was doing some gigs in uh, Dallas. Okay. And uh, the... The, uh, the club the there? The club, yeah. I don't know. I never uh, played. I just hi- did Fort Worth. Oh. No, no. Maybe no, that's no. not right. Yeah. You know, it's one of those hilarities or something. Laugh a go go comedy yeah. castle. Something. So anyway, uh, I enjoyed the gigs and everything, but the the it, it's not really in Dallas. It's in like one of those kind of suburbs. Okay. That is not really near anything other than the George W. Bush University Presidential Library. Excellent. And a giant <laughs> university and stuff, but there's nothing there. You know, a yes. couple of shops, but you know, you're really stuck there. The in one the book George W. Bush read. <laughs> so no, no other hotels or anything oh so really? they have a condo so right? they have a condo and yeah. they were just like you know what like every, everyone fun. stays in the condo and i'm like well you know what i don't want to be having to get on a train after the gig every night or whatever yeah. I'll, I'll stay in the condo so in this condo they had a vibrating leather chair okay now that is just i don't no. even, i don't even want to like <laughs> no like i am not sitting in it no i'm not getting close to it but i'm not yeah I, i'm I, not getting near the do- like the 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 <laughs> right i want like police tape i need to step around this like in an arc <laughs> that is, it is so foul you, you did you look under the when i used to do the gigs that had a lot of condos uh you look under the mattress uh, there's usually a couple of playboys uh playboys uh, yeah there's usually some sort of uh, magazine um, porn. I mean, they all have internet now. Well, everybody has internet, but this was back in the 90s. So right. yeah, it was, okay. uh, it was internet was less. <laughs> you could still find porn on the internet, I'm sure. Right. And, uh, but the, uh, <laughs> yeah, there would always be like things that you'd look for. Like one of my favorite stories is the fact that I followed Todd Glass on the road four weeks one year. I was the headliner after he was the headliner in uh-huh. four different clubs around the country and the week after. And Todd Glass has, has a little bit of OCD. Yes. He's a cleany McCleanerson. Sure. And so he, it would be spotless. The one in Tulsa, he had hired people to come clean the carpets. 
he had hired a, a company to come and clean the carpets to mop and 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 shampoo and and vacuum the carpets. I mean, I think that's a good. I it's mean, these, awesome. These are the tricks of the road that people don't know, right? Because I the first like, day, you I, know what? Those clubs, the money isn't great, but if I could just get the week post glass, exactly. If that's you could follow time, week. that's a sweet week. Because all, all the lights in the club will be set up right. It will <laughs> exactly. have rearranged the chairs a little. The music will be a little bit softer. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be and good. <laughs> I uh, the first day I stayed in any condo, I, I would spend the day cleaning. So it was always a it was always a wash that first day. I'm like, no. No, I'm going to strip the bed, wash the sheets again, wash the, you know, vacuum if there's a vacuum cleaner. I hate vacuuming. I'll wash the floors. I can't live for four days in a place that I didn't clean to some extent. If it's an apartment. Yeah, no, I understand that. That's why I can't do Airbnb. I don't know what the hell is going on. It reminds me of comedy content. We just did an Airbnb. Where's uh, that? In uh, Barcelona. Oh, nice. So uh, we went there for uh, my partner and I and uh, a girlfriend of hers Mm -hmm. um, uh, for my girlfriend's birthday. And so we were going to a music festival in Barcelona. Wow. And so what we did was we got an Airbnb, like so for the three of us. Right. Uh, like sort of in the heart of Barcelona, really, uh, for a week, which was brilliant. That is brilliant. And it was a really lovely, like little, you know, very New York-y Barcelona, like, you know, kind of, and the, the apartments are a bit the same where, sure. you know, it was really lovely, but it was like loud and <laughs> like you could hear all the neighbors and right. like, you know, yeah. all the You're traffic. You're living on top of like, each other. Yeah. Because, that, because also that's what it is. It's just someone's apartment. Yeah. And that's what apartments are like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, yeah, this is just like, you know, they get a bit frustrated by yeah. the things, and I'd be like, yeah, this is just like the comedy condo. Exactly. You'd, and, but you know, you what, know when I, they're like, the internet doesn't work in this room, and I was like, oh yeah, the amount of times, <laughs> like I've spent a week in like a comedy condo in the one chair where you get the proper internet, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, and the crazy thing is, is I take it back because Airbnb, you can at least review it uh-huh. and condos, the club owners never care. You know, you can tell them, but, and they, they might look into it, but they probably don't. It's not like a Yelp review where you could say, Hey, this Airbnb was actually trashed. This, these things didn't work. Everything was a disaster. And then other people don't stay there. So they try to keep it nice. I think, I think Airbnb tries to keep it nicer than comedy apartments you know what the other thing is that like if if the comedy condo was smart about it the people who have the condo was smart about it you would actually really like make it part of the experience because you know what comics are like like you know we will like if if you can stay a week in like some place where they kind of like it's actually half nice and they look after you Sometimes you like you go and play a club just for that reason. You'll, you'll play that for that reason. You'll play it for less money. You'll do all kinds of things. Or the or and the opposite. All, if the club itself, like you know, the room is yeah. fantastic, you'll put up with some other shitty things. Exactly. Because you're like, you know what, like that stage and that experience. So like, there's all levels to that experience. But yep. the one I th- I think they've never really tapped into is that the comedians sort of network because what happens is right is that when people come to town mm-hmm. they make connections now whatever those connections might be you might discover some great restaurant or some great market or some great yeah, you know coffee whatever shop or, coffee yeah. shop or whatever right um that but it might be like something like you know somebody comes to town and they need weed like you know yeah. comedians who need weed you know like comedians like, who need weed right. where's that website right but he, <laughs> but, he, but even that idea of like you know the amount of times I have gone to a town where they you know where weed isn't legal right and some people bring some 
to me at the gig or whatever, yeah. but it's like Saturday night and you're getting on a plane at six in the morning. You're, you're like, like, I can't I'd, smoke all of this. I'd love to leave this for like... Oh, for the next you know people. I mean? Yeah. And if they were like, you know, if you need this, it's here. If you need that, it's here. It's kind of a bit of a like, this is a contact for like this person who can take right. you on a bike right. riding tour or whatever. Right. If you like to rock climb, this is right. the place yeah, you like to is, do that. Yeah. If you like bookstores, here's here's the great yeah, bookstores. you got to go and do this. If you need weed or Adderall, right. uh, this guy will hook you up. <laughs> right. Which, yeah. Those would be great amenities. My favorite. Particularly all those things that comedians know that we like in a general sense that we need yeah like you know hey if you're bored during the day right here are like three things i did during the day that were kind of fun to do or like the, or, you the know, coffee whatever. shop in acme by acme the uh, moose and sadie's i don't know if everybody knows about that that's the good coffee shop to go to they got free wi-fi they got i was in burlington vermont uh where bernie sanders is from uh-huh. uh and uh I, uh, it's, it's like a college, it's like a college town, yep. your favorite college town mashed up with the set for Gilmore Girls. Okay, I don't know sure. if you remember that television program. I mean, I, here's it's, what I know about Gilmore Girls, oh, that it was a television program. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Less than Hamilton. Good for you. Oh yeah. Anyway, so Heaps less than Hamilton. <laughs> I know it was popular and it starred women. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's I imagine they it's a very the, beautiful. It looks like autumn. And they always. all looked, they all looked lovely. The Gilmore Girls. I imagine yes. that I would have had a lot of sympathy for many of them. It was it was a um, it was a Not, fantasy. It's, yeah. yeah, it was just a fantasy of what single motherhood would be like if supposedly she wasn't wealthy. Impo- impossible. Right. She was fantastically yeah, wealthy. Of course. Anyway, but um, so this, but I walked into this coffee shop in this, you know, I, college towns are hilarious to me because there's nothing, there's nothing I enjoy more than uh, a lot of uh, just people sitting around having the big conversations, man. Right. They're doing it. Yeah. So I go into, and the barista is this 22 year old uh, who's living the dream, man. And I go in, so what's your Wi Fi password? She goes, we don't have Wi Fi here. This is Man. this coffee shop is about community. Yeah, and uh, and I look at my phone and I'm like, so next door has Wi-Fi with no password. She's like, yes, yes, and because everyone is sitting in the coffee shop right. looking at their damn phone. Of course, yeah, we just don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. I was in Hong Kong and on the on the the, the escalators and the walkways, there was a uh, an overhead voice that that did in Chinese and then in English. Please do not only look at your mobile device. Yeah. Over and over and over, over again. Over and over. It was hilarious. Well, and you have to there, though. Look I, at your, no, I mean, as in, like, that was a warning you actually have to give people because particularly all, in those train stations, like, I did I did shows there in January. Oh, cool. And, it, yeah, it was fun. And I, we had a really good time, actually. Like, we really enjoyed being – because I'd never been to Hong Kong did, before. I, I just went myself last year for the first time and did right. shows. Yeah. And I had such a – like, a really good time. But, like, man, getting on and off those, like, trains. Yeah. Like, people do not look off their nope, phones. They're just and bumping just, into things. And, and you're getting on a train. <laughs> and you're just like, nah. I mean, I reckon I – I reckon – there's a gap. Yes. You know, like yes. you know, in England, it's all like mind the gap, and in mind Hong Kong, gap. it's like yep. I'm not even going to look up from my fucking phone. Do you remember? Do you know a comic named Matt Weinhold, San Francisco guy? He's a writer mm. now. Uh, he has a podcast called Monster Party. Only okay. talks about monsters. Sure. All right. And uh, but he uh, he used to have this joke. Uh, it was it was back in the early '90s, I think. It's and he didn't have a computer. He didn't actually have a computer. And somebody sure. said. Why don't you have a computer? The computers are amazing. The internet is amazing. And he goes, "Have you been outside? It's great. The graphics are incredible." Right. And that's what we're. And it was just. And there was more to it, obviously. But it was like, it was such a great. It summed up the whole the fact that we're not. We're all in a two D world. 
Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a re- I, I have been stepping back from some aspects of like yes. online of late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not in a, like a, a major or dramatic way. Some of my friends have got off completely. Like yes. they're, they're just doing the whole. And for me, that's not really practical with like my career and nope. plugging gigs and stuff. But I've just been trying to kind of make it a lesser part of the way that I think about my life yeah like you know literally using say twitter for example yep as at the moment as just like a way to tell people really about other things i'm doing but also what i try to do is rebroadcast like voices that i have discovered or that i like you know kind of pass that stuff on right right amplify the good stuff right sometimes it's just about going hey i listen to this podcast and i really liked it (laughs) you might like it or i read this book and you might like this or like you know or just here's a funny tweet Yep. Of someone that I don't know or I'm not going to make a big dip, but just kind of going, well, you know what, like, you don't always have to be like a completely active Right, it like, doesn't producer. have to be marketing all the time. Right. Yeah, I just, that's what I like about Snapchat. <laughs> I was, we were talking about this before is we that were. there's only, first of all, a couple hundred people that are following me. So I feel like, and it goes away in 24 hours. So I feel like I can say anything I want <laughs> uh, because there's only 200 right. people and I can, I can have rage. I can, I can, you know, talk about whatever and it's going to go away. 200 people watched it and now it's gone. And, and it doesn't have to be about stand up, and it doesn't have to be about my shows. It can just be about like you know what right. my favorite thing right now to plug is, uh, and it, I have nothing to do with this. This has nothing to do with me. Ogloff.com, O G L A F. It is a sword and sorcery dick joke web comic. Uh-huh. So it's like everybody's wearing swords, and and there's dwarves, and there's mm-hmm. <laughs> shields, and there's dick jokes, and it is uh, written and drawn uh, by this woman who. There's no, sometimes it's not dirty at all, but sometimes it's filthy, filthy, uh-huh. filthy. This week, filthy, but always funny, always hilarious, and always just beautifully drawn. Her art is amazing, but it's gay, trans, <laughs> straight. It's every kind of sex ever, and uh, it's wonderful. Who is this person who has decided uh, to do this? I don't know who she is. I ordered a hard copy of the book. Uh-huh. Oh, there's and, a book? Yeah, because she printed them, had had the first like book printed, uh-huh. Ogloff, O-G-L-A-F. Yeah. Uh, and I got the book in the mail. It was I got it for my husband for a as a as a Christmas present. Yep. And the packing slip just said, Enjoy your dirty book. <laughs> and I was like, Lady, who are you? I've I i do not even know who she is. Right. She's not at cons, she's not doing Comic Cons or anything. How did you discover? Andy found her, uh, my, uh-huh. my partner, and uh, he is always reading comics, and I assume porn, uh-huh. and uh, and those two things together. Uh, and he was like, I don't know if you'll like this. And I'm like, I might like it. And I do. I do like it. It's very funny. It's very smart. There you go. And there you go. So- I, do, I do love, and this is the great thing about the internet, because there are plenty of terrible things about the internet, and I think that sure. we're... Second half is super dirty and yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've read all the way to the end. Yeah, but it, yeah, it takes a really nasty turn, <laughs> often really quickly, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, when yeah. we say the second half, I mean, often... <laughs> second page. Yeah, often it really dives in, <laughs> dives in hard, the internet, so buyer beware. No, yes. I mean, it's like, we, we joke about it, but it's like this thing that I increasingly despair about is because you know we know that we're going to this the internet is playing such an important part in the rest of our lives or at least in this 
this particular phase and incarnation of it will be integral in taking us to whatever the next thing is regardless genie's out of the bottle you know yeah or if if it ever does go the other way where the whole thing goes down you know that's the speculative fiction then that itself will have will repercussions yeah through the beyond what we could ever imagine yeah we can't even that's why that's why there's so much science fiction about it you know my dad is so funny because uh i was reading some science fiction book and he goes what are you reading and i said it's uh it's this book about a dystopian future. And he said, <laughs> I love that. He goes, dystopian. You're always reading about a dystopian. If you looked around, we live in a dystopian right. present. You know what the future's going to be like? It's going to be just like this. Your car's going to be five years old. You're going to be looking for work. Don't worry about <laughs> it. And <laughs> it's what I love about my dad is that he is optimistic in the face of fact. Right. You know, he's just like, it's not so bad right now, right? You're still you got you got a place to live. You got food over your, your food over your head. You got a place to eat. No, it's a, he's he's like you have all the things. Like I have, you know, I think about gratitude a lot. Uh-huh. Like I try to remember to be grateful, and I um, I have most of what I've ever dreamed of in my life. Quite honestly, my life is amazing, and I have absolutely everything I need. Uh-huh. So there's no reason for me to be dissatisfied. But of course, I am. You know, I'm a, there's sadness and there's a hole inside me that cannot be filled by comedy or money or food or whatever bullshit, you know, the next thing. But I have to remind myself every day that I've, you know, the fact that I get to do stand-up comedy for a living, that's a win. I've already right. won. And the fact that... Well, not just that, like, I mean, and I... It, not to career-splain to you. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> because you've been doing this longer than I have. Well... But I think that, it, that there's not only a point where, and I think that I feel like this is like, you know, it was one of those moments that I really noticed as a transition. Yeah. Whereas like, not only did I get to do the thing that I wanted to do, but I did it. Like right. I now have a substantial enough amount of work that regardless of what happens from now on, like that, if, if it stops now, like right. if we're literally, if they say, well, that's it, you got to do it, you go. We are now going oh. in a non-Will Anderson direction. Yes. Right. But there's published works. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. But there's a whole bunch of it. Like there's a whole, you know. That is an excellent point. And it's just like, well, you've done it. It's, yeah. I mean, hopefully you get to do more and more right. other things. But there is actually a point you get to where it's not only I got to do it, but you go, I also, like, I did it. If yeah. I stop now, that'd still be... The, something that happened. Something that happened, you know. Oh, my God, that, yeah, you blew my mind. Because that, that is the next step of the gratitude, right? Right. I mean, knowing that I, I've gotten most of what I've ever wanted and being uh, and knowing that I have everything I need, and if it stops tomorrow, it doesn't matter. Right. Because I still did it. Right. It's, it all still happened, and it was lovely, <laughs> and it was quite nice. Yeah, the next better step, to have loved the, and lost. The next step of that, I think, like well, at least in my thinking, is always that going. Okay, well, if this was going to be my last thought, I always think about this when I'm writing new shows, and yeah. like I know you're writing like you know new material and putting yeah. together something new at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. like, I wonder what your thought process is. But for me, it's always a bit like, all right, well, if this is the last time I get to say anything. Right. Why do I want? Like, what would like? What would I like to That's say? That's a great you writing know? exercise. Like, this is like, you know, if this is it, like, yeah. if, if I fall down dead after this <laughs> one or whatever, like, you know, what what did I want to say right now? Like, yeah. what what is it that I wanted to say? And uh, it, 
I mean, I, I like that about stand-up, like, you know, but I also like that about, you know, you get to a point where you've done enough of it where you can go, you can make that choice rather than that choice of going, just what's funny? Like, right, I mean, right. you know, like, because that's oh, early on, that's all your choice. All you're doing is you're treading water. You're treading what's water. funny? Just tell yeah. me something funny and I'll say that. Yeah, what's yeah. funny? Mm-hmm. Is this yeah. funny? <laughs> tell me if this is funny and then I'll just say that. I don't care what, I don't even have really thought through what it means. Right. Is it funny? <laughs> because I'm going to say it if it's funny. Right, because that's all I need right now. Yeah. But the crazy, the weird thing is that going forth on that, yeah, that is... But what about you? What's your thought? I guess that's what I was trying to ask you is what, like when you're, you know, putting together the the new new stuff that I'm writing is, you know, what's your approach to that? The real question is, is what, what is Bill Cosby writing? That's my fascinating because the thing about Bill Cosby, besides the the nightmare Mm. of him destroying his legacy and Uh being a disaster of a person, right? Sure. Um, is that he's a comic. And sometimes I think about it and I'm like, you know, he's still writing. He may not be doing standup because he's not allowed and he's not showing up at open mics, Uh but he is a comic. And you know, like I'm sure my joke about it is that he's clearly writing. Well, my wife isn't talking to me anymore, but, uh, but the, uh, (laughs) you know, and what that I would be fascinated because he does, he writes from such a, it's up here. You know, he's dancing on top of all of the topics, but they're all personal topics. If you ever listen to his standup, and I haven't listened to a lot of it, um, but um, he's talking about his interpersonal relationships with all of his family members, right? Sure. But it's never deep. No. It's never underneath. And I, for me, I spend a fair amount of my time trying to mine, like, I tried for a while to write this joke about unconditional love and how it isn't. The only thing that is unconditional, as far as I can tell, the only people I love unconditionally are my family because I was there, I was born into it. The only condition of it was birth. It'd be like, um, not being, now nah, that's a terrible example. It'd be like, it, um, I don't know a good example, but what I try, what I want to do is I want to talk about something to some extent that isn't being addressed or where I'm risking something by talking about it or that, that I don't want to talk about things. I don't want to recently, like one thing I don't have never wanted to talk about is my body image, Uh you know, because I am not fucked up skinny, you know, and I've never been, and there's nothing to be done about it except for, I could starve myself to death and, and get a lot of plastic surgery, but I, I don't want to do that. Right. I, I want to learn how to live in my body and be happy with it. Sure. And I would love to do material about how I've learned how to live in my body and be happy about it. But to do that, I have to do those two things. Right. And so I use comedy to some extent to heal like sort of, and this sounds like total artistic bullshit, but I use it to sort of heal psychic wounds uh-huh. inside of me. You know, I have this joke about um, being sexually assaulted and my husband reminding me of it during sex. Uh-huh. You know, when you have sex, sometimes you poke somebody in a way that reminds them of a negative sexual experience. Sure. And so, and how we dealt with that together. And because he's a game designer, he wanted to LARP it out, live action role play it. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a comic, I wanted to make a joke about it. And, uh, and, but in the end of it all, does it heal the wound? Do we get to move past it? And it, and it did. Okay. But the crazy thing is, is to talk about being, you know, being in that bad, horrible situation and then how you fixed it. And then if it worked or if it didn't work. 
That's what I always want. I mean, it, I got convoluted there, but like, there's a no, joke. No, no, I, no, no. I, 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 mean, I, I was following that. That okay. was good. That was great. Because there's, there's a joke. I heard two comics, two very disparate comics, do uh-huh. the same premise. And one of them is a guy that's been doing comedy for a uh, generation, right? And he's he's like our he's like us. And then there's a woman who's been doing it for about eight years, eight or nine years. Sure. And she, they the premise was is his premise was is my wife doesn't want me to be happy. And the punchline was, and these are the things that she does to not make me happy. Yeah. I wanted there to be a third act of. What a dick. She's such an asshole. And this is what I'm doing about it. Yeah. Uh, but he did sort of a basic save because he'd been doing it for 25 years, right? So he did a basic save about how he was kind of a dick and that's why she wants to be a dick to him. Yeah. Uh, the woman who does the stand-up does, uh, did this. Me and, my, me and my friends don't want our boyfriends to be happy. Right. And, these are, and the punchline was, and these are the horrible things that we do to make them unhappy. Sure. And there was no third act. There's no third act. Louis C.K. always does a third act. I, I do this. I have this horrible thought. Right. I, second, second part of the joke. These are the things that I know that I'm not supposed to think about. Right. And the third act is I'm either fixing it or hilariously, I'm not fixing it. Right. <laughs> I'm living with it. Yeah. And that's, the, that's comedy to me. But yeah, there's a resolution of some kind, one way or the other. Yeah, give me an arc. Yeah. Finish the damn story. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I always have a frustration for someone who presumes to speak for everybody. Oh, because, yeah. like, I, I don't want to hear, like, you know, all guys love this or, like, all women. Like, but, but, I will, but I will listen to you tell me about your particular experience yes of that. please yes make it specific that's where the comedy is anyway right and if, you know what even on the basis shit in the world like i never want to hear anyone ever say like all <laughs> guys love blowjobs or some shit like that right yeah. you know i mean really generic right right, right. super woes. but but if you want to if you literally have this desire with your artistic <laughs> moment on stage to share with other human beings your <laughs> thoughts and what you want to talk about is how you really Love Enjoy blowjobs. blowjobs, yes. Then do that and do- tell me something about you and tell me why it is that you do yes. or you know, or why you do more than other people or what you love them more than or what the repercussions on your life are because right. you love them too much and, right. or that you worry that you're loving them too much yes. or that like, you know, there's a million things you can tell me about you mm-hmm. and that you could go on a journey like, but you there's know, so much there. You could start with what might seem like a very generic sort of like I love blowjobs thing, but then suddenly kind of twisted into this idea of like, you know, the idea of the spiral of what you got into or like, you yep. know, some situation that got <laughs> you're you into. You're writing it right or, now. Right now whatever. you're making the greatest blowjob What I'm joke saying ever. is this is my new hour. I'm exactly. Just, just, just going to do that. Bring it to the fringe. Bring it to you. It's called Free Willy. And it's... It's great. Remember when his fin went back up? Yeah. Anyway, so dick joke. Okay, so now what, that's interesting to me though. The way you look at that, because uh, the, the idea of like taking something that you are uncomfortable with, or taking something that you want to process, or something that you think is an idea that is—I mean, that, that's comedy that I've got much more interested in as I go on. Is particularly just this the stuff where if I'm going to tell you about something I believe in. Mm-hmm. 
I want to tell you about all the, you know, kind of half thoughts and all the circular thinking and all the kind of preconceived notions. And I want to be able to acknowledge whatever prejudice or like privilege I might yes. bring to the joke. And I want to like, I want and to explain then I the whole be, picture. Right. Because I feel like each bit of that could be funny. Right, because there could be a dozen punchlines in me explaining the story behind the whole thing. And then there is a, I promise you, at the end of that that ball, outside of that ball will be a a button. There will be a a punchline that you will enjoy. And uh, so, and it's not that I also don't do, like I have a time travel bit. Uh Well, that doesn't have anything. You know, I make it personal because like you said, everything, even the big topics can be made individual. And what I think about what I would use time travel and what other people think that they would use time travel are very different things and uh, you ever um yeah i don't know if you've ever done anything like this what <laughs> just when you you add like something to, that was originally a true story oh yeah right but as you've told it and told it you've you know artistically added a whole bunch sure. of different, you know bits or like taken some shortcuts or like rearranged the story in a way that you know works better for what it is that you're actually yes. doing, which is like, you oh, know. I, yeah, I do it all the time. Right, of course. No, we yeah. all do. But like sometimes, like I start to, I, I'm going, I'm really actually just lying now. <laughs> like, and it won't be ever about a main thing in the joke because you can't do that. No, but, I, I can't do that. I, I, it has to have some kernel of truth. It has right. to come from something. So I have this a piece that I've been doing and, and, um, and it's about this, like, uh, which literally did happen. So the first thing is I had this Uber driver one night mm-hmm. who was studying quantum physics and, like, multi-world theory and quantum dynamics and stuff, and he was paying for his education while driving the Uber. Okay. And so it was me, and I was after a show, and I'd been drinking, and I was quite fascinated, and, like, so I started asking him a bunch of questions or whatever. And anyway, I, 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 it comes out into this bit. It was a very long conversation and the thing, but the, 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 the just the very tight... Yeah, the bit and premise is like I had this Uber driver. He said this, and then I have like a bit about that. And yeah, yeah, you know, he says this thing about you know, um, uh, you know, if you believe in the idea of multi-world theory, somewhere in another universe, we're having this exact same conversation, except you do understand quantum physics, and then yeah. it becomes this bit about you know the multi-universe. Yeah. Right? It becomes essentially a bit that could have just be a bit that I could have written about that without the without you know, the Uber driver without the Uber driver, yeah, right? But you the know? Uber driver, right? So, but that's what, yeah. So that's where it started. So for me, because I like to tell stories, even though I could have just done the bit by itself, right? But for me, I like telling the story about the Uber driver and the bit and the blah blah blah. Yeah. But recently. <laughs> Um, I've been following Uber on like, you know, just some of the things that Uber have been doing that I've been less comfortable with. Uh. And I just I just started getting uncomfortable with the idea of giving Uber any like, plug at all. Any plug at all. And so I started like uh, catching Lyft around town. <laughs> so you just changed it and to Lyft. And then they've been better. But I changed it to Lyft. But here's the thing. Then I added, I go... I prefer catching Lyft to Uber because they have smarter drivers and then do this bit about this. Like, oh, there you go. You, you know, set it right? up. Like the quantum physics guy is a Lyft guy. Right. And it would be a moron driving yeah. Uber. But, okay. but the thing is, he's not. No, he was an Uber guy. He was guy. an Uber guy. Yeah, yeah. But That's in awesome. one universe, in a, right. <laughs> he may have been a Lyft guy. So I think that uh, That, that is a nice tag okay. yeah. if you ever want to do another three minutes about how that was actually an Uber driver. Yeah. But that was in a different universe. 
universe. You know what? That is the sort of shit I do like doing. Like yeah. we'd be doing a button on the end of it where I then explain right. that, that it, I actually change it to exactly because it's just of that. another and bit. Then just put the bit on the end. Super clock eater. Well done. You right. gotta there yeah, you go. There you go. An extra bit on the end of the bit. You almost deserve a writer's credit on that. Um, so. We could take keep talking for ages because I feel like we've barely got warmed up. So yeah, far. yeah, we just got warmed up. But is we're gonna do exciting? we're gonna do back to back. Right, you're gonna do a dork forest as well. And you're so. gonna talk about cricket. Yeah, cricket. The, the sport. So you've never had anyone on talking about the sport of cricket before? I have never had anyone talk about the sport of cricket. And do you have any sense of... Like, I know the, that it can last days. Yes. I read I read the Flashman series, and uh, and he played cricket. Okay. I don't know if you know the Flashman series I by George MacDonald. Do you ever read Tom Brown's School Days? No. It was assigned to... It was written in the 1850s. Uh, it's, uh, it's what every... It was this British... Uh, British book that was written in the 1840s or 50s about the flower of, of uh, British manhood. Okay. And it was this just propaganda, you know, kind of, you know, it's Horatio Hornblower bullshit. Okay, sure. And um, there was a minor character named Harry Flashman who was kicked out of rugby college for oh. unsportsmanlike, okay. ungentlemanly behavior. Oh, uh, yeah. And in the 1950s, a British dude, uh, in the in the decline of the British Empire, a British author named George MacDonald Fraser, I believe is his name, took that character from that 1840s classic that every kid in, in the UK had to read and wrote about Harry Flashman and his and he he is a just a scoundrel and more than that he's a he's a coward and a rapist and a just a dirtbag galore and it's about how the in the turn of the century just laurels heaped upon him by the British empire right it is a it is a hilariously incredibly well researched historical fiction about great britain in from 1848 to 1910 because it's a series of books like the first one takes place in afghanistan the 1848 um british uh invasion of afghanistan and how it just fell apart anyway harry flashman is the is the i i, I was more, the I, I think i was more a magic faraway tree <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Harry Flashman played cricket, and yeah, uh, so okay. I know that there's a bat and a ball, and there's w- sticky wickets, and Are you uh, a that's Doctor it. Who fan? You know, one of the Doctor Who's was I, uh, dressed in cricket gear. Uh, was it the one after Tom Baker? Yeah, that's the uh, that's when I stopped watching it. Okay. Sadly, yeah. so right. there you go. Well, there you but go. We're, I'm looking forward to learning all about it on the yeah, Dark Forest coming be, up next. That, so uh, let's uh, mention because before we finish up, I'd like to do some plugs and stuff, and they yeah. always end up taking a little bit of time anyway. So it, let's mention your podcasting world. Firstly, I want to mention the Jackie and Laurie show, which is your new show that you have with Laurie Kilmartin. Laurie Kilmartin, great um, comic. Uh, yeah, so tell me about because that uh, people have probably seen me tweeting about it. I lo- I love it. I think it's so good. Like it's just one of those shows that like just it came along and it just for whatever reason it, like it's just one of those things that I particularly respond to. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you talk well, about comedy a lot and stuff. Right, as and you're well, a comic, and, and you know, um, and I've known you both not particularly well, but enough, you know, and it's fun to listen in and yeah, but. Like, and some of the things, like on a recent episode, you guys like started talking about like uh, notebooks and what yeah. notebooks you use and moleskin notebooks <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, I could just literally hear you listen. I wanted more detail. I was like, and, and do, you, do you scribble things out or do you leave all your notes in there? Do you, right. How do you number? Are they just keywords? Or like, I'm, I wanted to know. But, you wanted to see the notebooks. But how did that come about? How did, because it like, because you guys aren't like, best friends or anything no no right? we met uh 
I think I met her probably um, 10 years ago when she was writing for Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn uh-huh. on, on Comedy Central and in New York. And I was doing it. I did it. And then she moved out here and started writing for Conan when Conan moved out to L.A. And then I would see her at, around at different shows. But we never worked together because we're both headliners. Uh, we're almost exactly the same age. We started doing stand-up almost the exact same time. And so, of course, and she's West Coast and I'm Midwest. And so, of course, we never saw each right. other because they never booked more than one woman on a show. No, no. And you if, were essentially on most people's booking rosters the same person. Yes, we're yeah. exactly the same human. And so I am actually, this is a real-time friendship. You get to real-time get us knowing, getting to know each other. Because I've nev- now I've spent 25 hours with her. Yeah. Because there are 25 episodes, and um, and we're very different. Her comedy is she's one of the greatest uh, monologue writers, and then her stuff is so dark and so smart. I mean, I saw her do a set at uh, the Steve Allen Theater at a show, like in front of like you know not a you know like like sometimes can be there, like yeah. not a huge crowd of people. Sure. But oh man it was like it was just like one of those things that i remember just afterwards just going well that's as funny like i said she's you know working on some new stuff and it was yeah. like that's as funny seven or eight minutes of material as i've seen anyone any, anyone do for ages ever yeah right. and she's one of the she's one of the best comics uh working today and we're in a golden age of stand-up comedy I mean, it's crazy. so it's crazy how many great yeah. comics there are out there and then um so what happened was is probably in december we were hanging out i think we were having lunch with we decided to have a bunch of like sort of comedy lunches with just a bunch of women comics uh-huh. and um so i got invited to this thing and uh, we we're hanging out and i was telling some story about someone at comedy central had said to my manager oh we're not booking any women over the age of 40 yeah and Lori lost her shit and she was like what and when i say lost her shit i mean she got angry and said what uh and then uh like about a month later she said would you want to do a podcast with me about um that question they ask women comics at almost every interview in the in the in the press they usually say what's it like being a woman comic yeah and uh there's no answer for that uh, i mean i'm sure there's a, a british comedian well she's an australian comedian who is now based in britain called beck hill yeah and she's delightful she's been a previous guest charlie on this awesome. podcast and her pinned tweet which is well worth being pinned and i'm going to probably tr- murder it right now yeah but it she does have an answer to it which is very nice it says uh, so her tweet was what's it like to be a female comedian she goes, it's just like being a male comedian, but you get asked that more. <laughs> that is perfect. B-E-C-H-I-L-L? Uh, yeah. Beck Hill? Yeah, okay, yeah, right. I'm going to look yeah. her up. Yeah, she's and, great. She's very funny, very oh, punny, very delightful, very... Like, just a good writer yeah, and, yeah, and great comic. You'd like her. Yeah, and so uh, I said... and so. Lori said, do you want to answer that fucking question every week? And I said, that sounds hilarious. Right. And there are many podcasts of just dudes, just middle-aged white guys talking about stand-up comedy. And there are none of middle-aged white ladies talking about comedy. And she talks about how old we are and how long we've been doing the show, the stand-up, and how we're going to continue to do the stand-up. And we speculate what happened to the women who were 50 when we were 20. Right. You know? And we're like, well, where the hell are they? Are they writing? Are they producing? Are they? Did they have kids and just decide to stop doing stand-up and some of them continue to do it much like a lot some men continue to do it and some didn't but um it is a it's a weirdly unique perspective in the world of podcasting because nobody and all we're doing we're just talking about stand-up 
We're just talking about stand-up for a week. Well, and I mean, the, the interesting thing about it is, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that really work well. Mm-hmm. And it's firstly that I think that you both have, like, such a clear respect and regard for each other. But there's enough difference that, yeah. you, you know, you can still get really kind of, I think it brings out the best of both of you. We like, are so different comics, but I think she does respect me a great deal. And I do respect her a great deal. So, right. But I don't necessarily, her favorite comics are not my favorite comics. Right. They're perfectly fine comics but my favorite comics are very different than hers and it's there's nothing it's it what it does is it opens my mind and makes me remember that comedy is enormously subjective (laughs) even among supposedly women comics are uh, interchangeable well i mean but that's exactly the point and that's what i think is the most interesting thing about that is that like i always love this idea of going even in people who are so closely like, you know, externally, mm-hmm. you, you, you put those two people in the same hat and you go, well, these are two people who have had a myriad of the same experiences yep. and, and both have very different perspectives sometimes on yep. what those experiences mean or whatever. Yep. But there's a level of honesty to it, like a level of just being able to practically talk about things that sometimes people wouldn't necessarily talk about. Right. And again, that's that thing of going, well, we've done it. Right. Like, I mean, you've both done it. Yes. You know, I mean, that neither of you could, like, you know, everybody in show business, but, mm-hmm. like, I mean, everybody in show business didn't get everything they wanted or, like, right. do, but, but there's a kind of point you get to in your career, you know, your career, her career, my career, mm-hmm. like, you know, a whole bunch of other people's careers where you've been close enough to everything. Yes. Like, do you mean, like, you've at least been a part of Yes. Everything, you know, right. you probably got to like be part of a movie you get to or a meet TV a show, person, or like, or you're you're standing next to do a gig with one of the greatest comedians. I mean, you I know, met like, Phyllis Diller. You know, I mean, that's a crazy thing to have met Phyllis Diller or Lily Tomlin. I've met Lily Tomlin. You know, but and, I think about the shows that you do with people. Like, I mean, even with like a Mar- yeah, Maria, who, yeah. as we both know, will be remembered as one of the all-time great comedians. The I think. greatest like, comedians you know, that has that has ever and been. Brian Regan, who yes. is already regarded as like you know one of the greatest comedians right of all it was time. epic yeah right? yeah but but to be doing those shows like you're actually on those like i mean right. those, yeah. those are the shows and the things that you do in your life yes so regardless of whether you ever have a, a room that big yourself where you're the person yeah but you you still play those rooms and do those exactly. shows and be around those things yep and so i don't mean that necessarily specifically about you i mean it in regard to all of us no you no, get to a certain point where you it's sanity what you what you've spoken <sighs> is sanity which is not which is sometimes in rare it's rare you know, in life in general and in show business indeed, because we're all raised up in the, even in the business to say, oh, well, you should have your own show. You should, uh, you should be able to have an assistant. I don't know what people want, but (laughs) whatever people want, you're like, "Uh, I've already won. I've already won. I've got to do it for almost, I count the eighties as one year. So almost 30, like almost 30 years. And, um, there's no, no one can take that away from me. Right. And it's and I think you're right with Jackie and Lori. We both come from a place of, well, we've already done it. Uh, right. we're, there's probably going to still be work because uh, we haven't raped people. We haven't made, like, we haven't done the thing where they're going to take it all away from us. Right. Uh, not yet. And no, I but I mean, but even in going through that very thing, like, I mean, the it shows mm-hmm. yeah and you know, in the in the show it shows in the show and if the fact that the show is be immediately resonated with people and yeah. become successful like but, it's the very thing that 
I mean, it's, it, it, it may be that the show itself may be the next thing. Right. You know, the thing right, where, right. We, where yeah. you're going to talk about that thing may be the thing that, you know, kind of leads to those other things or kind of re- yeah. reinvigorates things. I've, I've already gotten work out of it. Right. Because oh. people are, are psyched about it. And they're just, and I, but I think you're right about what does resonate because it's, it's, it's like hanging out with, a, with comics. Right. It's like just hanging out with us. And that's one of the funnest things about doing stand up is hanging out with other comics. Right. And, um, and then we're also talking about stuff that is very real and not put and for the most part, not pulling any punches as far as I can tell. Like sometimes we won't name names just, but we'll go just cause I might one day want to work that weird gig again. We won't mention it. But I also and, think that there's a practicality there yes. in the way that you talk about that sort of stuff that like, I am sure there is in show business, of course, people that if you, you know, say one bad thing, you're never going to get booked in their room again <laughs> right. and all those sort of things. I'm sure there is. Of yep. course there is. Of course there is. But you, you, even if there is, the amount of time that you would put into in your life having to second guess or speculate or whatever, you know, whatever the fuck those things are. <laughs> right. It's, it's not worth your trouble anyway. Yeah, that sounds like more work than it's worth. That's not why I got into stand-up comedy. I mean, the idea of being able to practically talk about, like, you know, the good and bad things about a particular gig or a particular room or a particular yep. booker or a particular whatever mm-hmm. should not be something that, like, and to be honest, are probably the only things at the end of the day that will lead to us because I sometimes think with comedy because of the nature of what it is and the fact that we have to start out in like, you know, when you say oh, yeah. like, and again, I think writers should be paid for their work, by the way. This is not, sure. but you know, I'll often say like, you know, new bloggers or new writers or whatever getting really huffy about like, you know, you know, I wrote this like, you know, blog for blah, 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 and I didn't get paid for it and we should all get paid for everything. And I'm like, you know what? I do, by the way, I do believe everybody should get paid. <laughs> Everyone for should work. get paid. But when you have done, you know, 20 years of stand up comedy. And at least 10,000 shows for free. Right. Yes. And still for free. And still for free. And, and, yeah. and we'll do many more this year for this free. This very year. I just got emailed. Flappers asked me to do a, a set in December. And I'm like, it's June. I try not to book my free sets uh, right. six months in advance. Uh, yeah, I don't want to fill my weekends with the free <laughs> stuff. Right, because I might get work. And then, of course, you know, the booker was like, well, obviously if you get paid work and uh just you swap it out but um yes yeah there's the the journey of so jackie and laurie show which is on nerdist network it's on which also gave it a bit of a bump because people are always wandering around nerdist and they're comedy fans and um and then i mean yes of course yeah initially but I do think that, you know, they, they, they have a bunch of shows. They do. They have a lot of shows. You and know what I think it is also? I mean, again, uh, there's lots of things I think it is. Right. But there is this sense of, as you said, like, it's two women that are, cl- I mean, that are clearly women, you know, yep. and, you know, like. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard a conversation about like have someone, you know, the, the difficulty of having your period between the first and second oh, yeah. show. Like, I've, I don't, I don't, no, that doesn't come up. I don't feel, and like, I wouldn't have brought it up. On, on five hundred episodes of WTF, <laughs> I've never heard Mark even stumble over that one. So right, uh, but but in a sense, like that, where I think that what the problem has been in the past is that those conversations no matter how well-meaning, and even in this conversation that I'm having with you right now, right? no matter how well-meaning I might be like about my opinions or thoughts or whatever on this topic, by the very nature of me being a white straight man in a system that had, you know, was originally you know, set up and benefited white straight men, you just, by the very nature of that, never 
Right. It's the perspective that, that you don't have, but the fact that you're aware of that perspective, of course, gives you a giant leap forward. You know, like, whatever oh, I... It doesn't really. It's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> right. It just how, interferes I don't with... Know, I don't know how women have been <laughs> dealing with it with all this with time. With all this empathy and compassion how, how and trying to see other perspectives. How are you? you just I don't know. You constantly exhausted. It's, the, it's the, the patience of Hillary Clinton and uh, Angela Merkel or Angela Merkel. Uh, I, I did have that decision the other day with the Hillary Clinton thing where because of my natural suspicion towards like established, you know, political parties sure. and, you know, the fact that like I don't like the idea of dynasties and, you know, someone coming from the same family where right. somebody blah, blah, blah and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. But the other day I, I just really made a decision of going, but despite all that, mm-hmm. the people who have been so – like she – She's, she's she's the best choice. She's fully qualified. She's fully qualified. She's been able to, as I like to put it, she could have headlined ten years ago. Yeah, exactly. But uh, and but she wasn't ready, obviously, because right. the it didn't happen because things happen for a reason. But uh, but also she's been one of those people that like let's go the whole analogy mm-hmm. with this. Like her husband was a big act. Yeah, and she when opened she got for him. Into it. Yep. People and didn't take her seriously. They didn't take because, her seriously. You know, it's like oh, he brought his feature on the road with right, him. Okay, exactly. that's like, it. Yeah, his wife, you know, he's, and uh, his, historically right. that's how women get. Elected? Did you know that? Right. Is yeah. that every go- every first woman governor was either the widow, right, uh, of of the previous governor or the wife of the previous governor? Every mayor was a widow, or it was it's they call it like widow syndrome or something. And you know, I don't like dynasties either. Like I don't want Ray's last name to be Kenobi. I can't. I, right. I'm not looking forward to it on Star Wars. Yeah, it's too much. And, uh, it's too much. Why so, can't it just be? They're the one percent, aren't they? Right. It's the one percent. Yeah. And I did a show out in Malibu not long ago, and this all the comics who went before me were like, "You guys are the one percent." And I show, I get up there, and I'm like, "You guys are not the one percent." One percent do not come to comedy clubs. Right. We are brought to them on the backs of elephants. Uh, they don't need to come to. Co- they they have they bring us in. We yeah. don't. They, we do privates for them. Yeah, the one that yeah. Also, the one percent don't need to laugh. Right, they're they're laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, exactly. They're, yeah, they don't want and they don't want That's to be. That's where mocked. that phrase comes from. <laughs> exactly, they've Liberace got, did not make that up. They've got bank laughing all day long. <laughs> they don't need actually to outsource their laughter. Yes. All right. Uh, so, so Jackie and Laurie show, and yes. then the Dork Forest. I've been doing that ten years. You've been on it once. You'll be on it. Again, in mere moments. When I mean, will this go up? Ten years is when will the dog for us? No, go, when will this go up? go up? Well, I mean, I don't know. I've, I'm, I, the, my answer could be dependent on your answer. Oh, okay, because your dork forest will go up in a couple of weeks in, oh, in yeah. rotation. This will yeah, be about. This will be oh, well about the same time. I reckon. Oh, we'll go back to back within. That'll be fun. Within the, they will be within the week or so Fair of enough. each other. I yeah, think. you'll be able to hear both. Good, nice. That works. And then I, you should I listen have, to this first. I have a Daniel Sloss and a Laura House. That have to go first. Go first. Yeah, I have a so. um, Ivan Van Norman talking about a, a zombie RPG thing that he did. Oh, okay. And I have a, a guy named uh, Ronald Wimberly, who is a comic book artist who drew his his comic book called Lighten Up is nominated for an Eisner because it's a story that he 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 essentially tells the story in a graphic novel of how he worked at Marvel was drawing Wolverine's uh, girlfriend uh-huh. who was, he was told the breakdowns told him that she was half African American and half Latin American. Uh-huh. And so he, he got notes back from editing from Marvel telling him to lighten her skin. Uh-huh. And he was like, why? I drew apocalypse and I made him violet instead of blue. You didn't give a shit. And, uh, and they were like, well, she, she's actually not half African American and half Latin American. She's half white and Latin American. And he's like, yeah, uh, I don't know if you've seen Latin American. Some of them are pretty dark. Why don't we, why don't we leave it? And, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so he he will probably never work for Marvel again. Wow. Yeah. I so. mean, you know what? Like. Yeah. I mean, like Marvel aren't doing anything good these days, are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love Marvel. I feel like I feel like this is the time to jump off Marvel, right? No. no. I mean, I'm sure Marvel. <laughs> I'm sure there's no work for him there. He yeah. can't make it make it big there. I mean, at Marvel. Just move over to Image. Those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys can't seem to get it right. I mean, it's crazy. We don't yeah. have time to talk about it. But so the Dork like, Forest, you'll yes. be on that. It's just dorkforest.com and uh, jackiecation.com and at jackiecation on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and all the things. There you go. I've plugged all the things. When this goes up, it'll probably be July. I will be opening two days uh, with Brian Regan, two shows up in the Bay Area and then one show up in the Bay Area for Maria Bamford right after it. Oh, there you go. That's, nice. a, that's a talk about a gravy weekend of getting to see some amazing comedy and I i'm mean, talking about me okay, getting he, to see amazing comedy let me ask you a question uh how do you uh when you open for brian do, uh, how, how much how much just do you do? 20 20 yeah just 20 and minutes then, and then do they have a break or do they just bring nope. him on no no away? i yeah. uh essentially uh whoever opens for him does 20 brings yeah. him up and he's got his audience they're the nicest people, right? Uh-huh. Uh, they're trained so well because he's been doing it so long. It has all these classic bits that everybody wants to hear Freebird, right? Okay. So, he, and, and like, they, but they don't yell. They don't yell like Chappelle, right? Uh-huh. So he does, uh, I do 20, he does an hour or whatever, right? right? He comes off, I come back on, and I say, you guys know how this goes. Do you want to see some more? And then he comes back for like five to 15 minutes and does uh, people yell out jokes, right. old jokes, and then he does them. And then that's it. And, and, and it's anywhere between 1,200. I opened for him. He had 7,000 people. Right. A 7,000-person room. And he plays a 1,200 like you and I play a 220. Right. Where he's, it's just, a 1,200 to him is home. He can work yeah. on new material in well, a 1,200. But that's what I was going to ask you because I, at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I, the room I play the comedy theater is 1,000. Oh, wow. And I think it's perfect. Yeah. Like as in like, oh, that's, you that's know, sweet that you're comfortable in a thousand. But I've played rooms that are bigger. Yeah. Where I just am like, you know what? I don't feel like this is, I don't feel like I can it, play this. It's like, hard you to know, connect. Room. Yeah. In that stand up one. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. I, I always feel like, you know, 800, 1,000, like anything bigger than that. That's your sweet spot? 800 to 1,000? No, I'm just saying, but a, that's your kind of. Oh, that's the high. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But totally. you see these people play like 7,000 or 9,000 or like even in the UK, like Kevin like Hart stadiums. Is, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or Madison Square Gardens or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a very different experience, right? And they have the jumbotron, and they're right. and they're and they're essentially watching you on stage, but also watching you on television, like music, I guess. Which is a bit weird for comedy, though. It does isn't feel, it? you know, you know, I and I quote this joke, and Emo probably hates that I quote it because uh, he'd like, I'd like to do that joke, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's my favorite joke about comedy, which is that uh, Emo says you have to see, Emo Phillips says you have to see comedy live. If you see comedy on comedy on television is fine, but comedy on television is like incest, where you've given up uh, quality for convenience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is so true, though. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can do that. Uh, we have a Patreon page. Uh, Patreon P A P A T R E O N. 
com slash TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. So uh, if you listen to this podcast, you listen to TOFOP with Charlie and I, you listen to Philosophy, or you listen to our footy podcast, uh, the place to contribute is there. We have a new $10 level, which um, if you like the art of James Fosdyke, who does all the art for all our podcasts and all our posters and those sort of things, he has now, we have a $10 level where every two weeks you get a comic book strip, which I keep saying is a three-panel comic book strip, but the last one was about 19 panels. Okay. So, anyway, it was meant to be simple, but James, as always, is one of those people who just always goes into great detail. But uh, you get one of those every two weeks and you can support all the podcasts and keep them all going. So that is the best thing to do. Uh, thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jackie.